0: Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Beyond Alzheimer's Disease, Other Causes of Progressive Dementia in the Older Adult. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on April 6, 2017. This webinar is presented by the Lewin Group in collaboration with Community Catalysts and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their effort to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. In this podcast, Melinda Lance, Chief of Geriatric Psychiatry at Mount Sinai Beth Israel Medical Center, discusses key diagnostic features of common atypical dementias.
1: Okay, so I'm going to give just a quick overview. We all know that dementias as a whole are disorders of loss and decline. So we have declined from a previous level of functioning in various domains. And in order to make a diagnosis, it requires a lot of evaluation in terms of getting a clear history from a patient, from a caregiver, from an informant, and performing assessments that may include neuropsych testing, repeat clinical assessments, and perhaps neuroimaging and some of the dementias today, neuroimaging uh, is of value. Um and that these deficits interfere with daily activities, social and occupational functioning. And some of the dementias we'll talk about today, frontotemporal, for example, is an earlier onset dementia, and patients may be employed at the time of they start having symptoms. Okay, so next slide. M- mild neurocognitive disorder or mild neurocognitive impairment uh, is decline in, obviously, cognition that doesn't meet criteria for dementia. And this For many, patients and caregivers is an unfortunate, almost kind of purgatory state in that they have objective declines, usually in memory, but they don't have declines in other domains yet. And some dementias may start out as mild cognitive impairment, and patients may stay in those states for years, and some may then go on to decline. And the dementias we talk about today often have prolonged or protracted impairment Stages that often makes diagnoses uh, difficult for patients and families. Okay, so the first of the non-Alzheimer's dementias that we'll talk about, and could I have the next slide? Thank you so much. Vascular dementia, or dementia due to cerebrovascular disease. This is where we know the cause, because in order to have vascular dementia, patients have risk factors for vascular disorders. And this is the second most common type of dementia after Alzheimer's disease. Now, these are patients who have risk factors, and they often have multiple medical problems. So these are patients with hypertension, diabetes, hyperlipidemia, maybe they've had a history of smoking or are still smoking. And it's often identified because the patient has either a series of mini-strokes, TIAs, or an actual stroke. Uh, With the stroke-related syndromes, the the cognitive loss may be more focal. Sometimes patients are more aware of their symptoms. Sometimes they're less aware. And disturbances of emotions and mood are very common and very much related to the stroke-type symptoms. Uh, The next slide, please. Vascular dementia has a great deal of care needs. The care needs are often variable but often very high. These patients have multiple medical and physical conditions, so they may have tremendous physical care needs. They may need a lot of help with assistance of daily living right after an acute event. And the decline is also more variable. They may have long plateaus and stability in their cognition, and their physical care needs after a stroke, and then they have abrupt declines related to further vascular insults, such as another TIA or another stroke. It also is perplexing at times because it's common to have vascular features and Alzheimer's dementia mixed together. So caregiver burden is high related to the heavy physical care needs, heavy medical care needs, and the cognitive loss as well, as long as it's also accompanied by mood and behavior problems. Now, this is a dementia that's more common in men than women at present because men still have more cardiovascular risk factors uh, than women. Okay, and I've included this for your reference. Neuroimaging is certainly helpful in making a diagnosis of vascular dementia because we can see the vascular disease on a CAT scan or an MRI. And we'll move on to another type of dementia. Oh, well, I'm sorry, and I included this in for your reference, mainly the binzwangler's type dementia. I mean, I practice in New York where maybe the uh, clinicians just like to diagnose it, and patients often are confused by what they're referring to. And it's often important for patients and caregivers to have a clear you know, clear sharing information. Binswanger's type is a type of vascular dementia. And again, I included a lot of extra material for your reference uh, after that. Uh, webinar is over. And can I have the next slide, please? Thank you so much. Lewy body dementia is, again, a less common dementia, third or or after both Alzheimer's and vascular. This has a striking clinical presentation. Lewy body dementia is memory loss and cognitive decline that occurs in the context of motor and Parkinsonian features such as tremor or muscle stiffness and the patients usually have prominent psychiatric symptoms as well, often hallucinations, and often the hallucinations are visible. So this is a relatively rapid onset dementia, usually later in life, and it's accompanied by a lot of unexplained symptoms that may make the diagnosis difficult in the beginning. Unsteady gait, fainting, um, many falls, and it generally has a more rapidly deteriorating course also more common in men than women that differs it from Alzheimer's disease as well. This is a dementia of many behavioral problems, many psychiatric symptoms, and many care needs. Also, I included a slide for you of what a Lewy body is. It's actually a dense body in the brain. Obviously, we can't make a a neuropathology diagnosis uh, prior to death, Um, But we know that the symptoms that I described, the visual hallucinations, the motor symptoms, the cognitive decline, are very much correlated with um, a diagnosis uh, later. Uh, The issue with um, Lewy body dementia is that it's often accompanied by very much sensitivity to all psychiatric medications, but very prominent psychiatric symptoms that often need treatment. And let's move on in terms of time to frontotemporal dementia, which we will hear a great deal about um, from the rest of our speakers in the panel, is a perplexing uh, dementia often to diagnose from a physician's side. It's a onset is significantly earlier than the late life dementias, anywhere from 40 to 60 years of age. And the reason why that range is so variable is because it's very, very slow and very subtle in onset. And it's accompanied by atrophy by loss of tissue in two distinct areas of the brain, the frontal lobes and the temporal lobes. And that those parts of the brain are associated with personality, with mood, behavior, with impulse control. And this is a, a slowly progressive dementia that's often misdiagnosed in the earlier stages as different psychiatric conditions because It's often uh, first presentations are very behavioral in nature, Um, a lot of disinhibition, a lot of socially inappropriate behaviors. In patients who, in the early stages of dementia, can still perform basic daily living tasks, um, such as math tests, their memory might not yet be impaired. And so this is a difficult disorder to diagnose until it progresses, unfortunately. So you have prominent personality change. This is a great drain, obviously, on families. Early onset, very slow decline, a lot of behavioral problems, a lot of symptoms such as lack of recognition. They don't recognize family members anymore. And the treatment is very symptom-driven because there are no agents at all available to slow the progression. Okay, and there are subtypes. I'm sorry, could I have the next slide? There are some subtypes of frontotemporal dementia, some that have some genetic thread, and one that's classic called Pick's disease that was the first frontotemporal uh, diagnosis. And I have a picture, if I could have the next slide, of a Pick body in the brain um, that's uh, found in the frontal and temporal lobes that explain the unfortunate decline and, and the significant behavioral pathology of the dementia. Okay, I'm going to move on, and I'm going to give a brief overview of strategies for treatment from a pharmacological point of view. And I'll do it in an overview. I provided you with a great deal of slides with some tables of medications. But this all comes with one big caveat. Um, We have no, obviously, no magic pill for dementia. And we have medications that, in a carefully targeted situation, can help with certain signs and certain symptoms. In terms of treatment of the cognitive symptoms, uh, when we look at vascular dementia and Lewy body dementia, we do have available the cholinesterase inhibitors. Uh, three that are clinically used: donepezil, galantamine, and rivastigmine. They're approved for dementias actually from mild through uh, the severe stages, but it's the outcome. It's What we really see with cholinesterase inhibitors is a slowing in the rate of decline, obviously not an improvement. It's can we slow the progression of the dementia. So this makes it very clinically frustrating. It's also difficult because the individual responses are so variable and often difficult to measure. However, the greatest efficacy, the target population, is probably those who are living in the community where we might see a a delay in, in the need for nursing home placement. Now, this is regarding vascular and Lewy body dementia only. Unfortunately, with frontotemporal dementia, cholinesterase inhibitors really have not been shown to be of any value, and there's a small amount of literature that shows the behavioral symptoms may worsen. So, we're talking about the agents really for use in vascular and Lewy body dementia and potentially delaying the decline. Now, rivastigmine may be more helpful in Lewy body dementia than the other cholinesterase inhibitors, based, again, on limited information. And then we have the drug memantine in a different class um, that's approved for use in dementia of the Alzheimer's type, but is not approved for any other types of dementia because they don't yet have evidence to show that it helps with slowing the decline. And again, frontotemporal dementia, we really avoid the cholinesterase inhibitors. And always remember, every medication obviously has side effects. With cholinesterase inhibitors, it's gastrointestinal, nausea, vomiting, potentially weight loss because of GI upset, and they can also slow heart rate. Now moving on to pharmacologic treatment of behavioral symptoms. Again, if if there's no magic pill for cognition, there's definitely no magic pill for the psychiatric symptoms. Treatment is very, very symptom-driven, We want to identify target symptoms, such as clear psychosis or distressing hallucinations. We want to choose a medication that may target those symptoms and then carefully monitor side effects. And we very much want to avoid polypharmacy. So I've given you many tables and sort of basic clinical pathways to illustrate the approach that we would take. The problem is um, the side effects of the medications and the risks versus the benefits. So antipsychotic agents, obviously there's seminars just on use of antipsychotic agents in dementia. One thing I can tell you, because I treat many patients who have very severe symptoms, is that use of these agents is justifiable when the patients are distressed by their psychotic symptoms or when the psychotic symptoms become you know, clinically dangerous. Patients become paranoid and want to act on their delusions. However, those are more extreme cases, and those extreme cases come after other interventions as you'll hear about today are really exhausted and they're not meant to be a, a substitute for good clinical care and good behavioral interventions. I gave you some uh, tables of the medications as well. I do want to point out, though, that depressed mood and anxiety are very common in the more early stages of these dementias and that antidepressants certainly could be considered If we can help boost mood at all in these patients, we can certainly increase their comfort level, knowing that antidepressant medications also have significant side effects as well. The other issue that comes up, and if we could have the next slide, is what to do about patients who display significantly severe physical aggression to the point that people are thinking of of hospitalization, and what can you do to tone... uh, alleviate or just diminish some of the severe physical aggression that might be dangerous to a caregiver. These are all off-label recommendations, but they are you know, a clinical consensus. Um, mood stabilizers may certainly help with impulsivity and aggression to a limited degree. Um, and they certainly might diminish the behavior to a point that it can be more clinically and behaviorally managed, and that's the best use of these agents. So how can we diminish um, the behavior enough that our other interventions help as well? Knowing that these medications have significant side effects. So I also, in the next few slides for your reference later on, I provided tables of medications and the CMS-recommended um, guideline doses for maximum use. I know if you people who work in long-term care have our manuals um, where we have these guidelines every day. And they also included several medications and then mood stabilizers as well as the last slide that I have. And I think we have one more. Yes, and I included side effects. Please remember um, all medications have side effects. We want to uh, limit polypharmacy. Thank you very much.